Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's good to have you back in for another episode of The Vegas Therapist. This is your host, Ryan Winder. It's good to have you in. I've got a great show for you today. We are going to be talking about resilience, which is picking up a little bit after our my last episode with Justin Sua, who was an amazing guest. If you haven't heard that episode, please go back and listen to it. We got lots of great feedback about that episode. So many people loved what he had to say and the things that we talked about. Uh, so again, just go back and listen to that episode. It was great. Thanks again to Justin for coming in and being a part of the show. All right. Uh, before we get to the topic, then just a couple household items. If you haven't joined the Facebook group, the Vegas Therapist Podcast, Ryan Winder Facebook group, go ahead and do that. I'm always posting articles and different things about the show. You can also leave comments and suggestions for the show on there as well. And it's just a good way to stay connected. Also, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, and two, if you are interested in coaching, which many of you have been, um, you know, you can reach out to me if you're wanting to do some more individual work on yourself, ryanwinder at gmail.com or thevegastherapist at gmail.com are the handles that you can email me to. And I will get that and uh, love to help you with some, some coaching stuff. So uh, the other thing I'm really happy about today is uh, I know my video that I made for mental health for teens is being played in some schools uh, last week and this week. And so I'm really just excited about that and having the opportunity to help uh, our teens right now with their mental health and was just trying to stay strong through these difficult times. also want to send a shout out to my boy, Tom Brady, uh, who is the master or the epitome of resilience uh, on winning his seventh Super Bowl. So that fits into the episode because we're going to be talking about resilience. And he is definitely one resilient guy to have played 21 seasons in the NFL, seven Super Bowls. Just great, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I love that guy. So, all right, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about resilience. Uh, so for those of you who don't know or maybe have not heard about the book by Eric Greitens, it's basically called Resilience. And resilience, if you don't know this, is the key to a well-lived life. If you want to be happy, you need resilience. If you want to be successful, you need resilience. You need resilience because you can't have happiness, success, or anything else worth having without meeting hardship along the way. To pursue any worthy endeavor, simply to have a good life requires that we confront pain, hardship, and fear. To move through pain to wisdom, through fear to courage, through suffering to strength, it all requires resilience. And get this, this is so important. It's such a great part of the book. The benefits of struggling, of being challenged, afraid, pained, confused. They're so precious that if we could bottle them up, people would pay dearly for those benefits. Just think about that. That's how beneficial going through difficult things is because what it gives us and the value that it brings to our lives. But it can't be bottled up. And the only way to get that for yourself is to struggle first. So it's just a part of things, you know, uh, the struggle is real. It's a part of life. It's something we have to endure, but the benefits are so immeasurable, um, that it just, it's, yeah, it's hard to, to hard to explain even. 
Um, the other thing I want to talk about in relation to that is just that without some sense of meaningful struggle in our lives, something inside of us begins to break down. A part of us begins to die. There's a lack of purpose that starts to creep in. And when we are kept from doing hard and meaningful work, maybe it's by things like idle comfort or drinking uh, or using substance to excess by spending endless hours in front of video games or the internet, we lose purpose and meaning. And as we do that, as we deprive ourselves from purpose and meaning, that basically is destructive as de deprivation of sleep in our lives. We can survive, but we cannot flourish. So that notion of meaningful work, of having purpose, of having meaning, of struggling, there's so much value in that, but yet how often do we hear the saying, I don't want my kids to go through what I had to. I don't want them to you know, have the, the same types of challenges or difficulties or whatever it may be. And I just think to myself, really? You don't want them to struggle, to have hardships, to grow, to learn, to have resilience? I get that there are extremes with this, but we need to be careful in the ways and what we shield our kids from. They need to struggle. We need to struggle. It's a part of life. It's a part of the journey. But it seems like we seem to be stuck in this mode of shielding, of keeping our kids and, and even sometimes ourselves from facing difficult things, from the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to risk, the opportunity to take on new things, the, th the, the ability to have what I said before, which is this sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. So in order to do that, we need to focus in on either continuing to build resilience or continue or or building resilience in the first place. And the first thing we can do for that is to take responsibility for who we are and for our own life. You may not be responsible for everything that happens to you, but you are responsible for how you deal with what happens to you. And this is such a big thing in society right now because there's so many people so many blamers out there. It's not my fault. I blame the government. I blame that teacher. I blame that coach. I blame this. I blame that. Um, but we have to look inward. We have to take responsibility. We have to look at our part in things. And that's the one thing that we can control. And building resilience is a lot about focusing on what we control, what we can control, and letting go of the things that we can't control. But it all starts with our own personal responsibility. And if you don't know this, or if you haven't felt this, responsibility offers us power. If we take responsibility for ourselves, we become not victims, but we become pioneers. The victim falls prey to fear and delights in blaming, blaming others. The pioneer, on the other hand, forges his own path, even though it's more difficult, but it's so much more rewarding. And I just have a little quick story about that notion of, of being a pioneer, something that is meaningful to me and something that now kind of brings that word to a different light. Uh, many of you know, I do, I practice EMDR therapy now. Um, and when you're going through the training, you have the opportunity to have somebody perform EMDR on you, as well as you get to perform some EMDR on someone else as a way to experience it both as the therapist and as the client. And so during uh, the second training I did, um, when it was my turn to be the client and I was doing EMDR on a topic of feeling not good enough in certain areas in my life, um, as we were processing some of the memories and some of the thoughts that were coming up for me, 
Um, the counselor pointed out some of the things that I had accomplished in my life because I was having some fears about moving forward, especially with this new move to Idaho and starting my practice here and doing some things of that nature. But he, he kind of made reference to some of the things that I'd accomplished and I'd already done in my life. Uh, first in my life was first, uh, one to go to college or to move away or, you know, to do these different things that I've done. And he used the word pioneer and he said, you know, I see you as a pioneer. And when he said that, it just, it hit me so hard and it just resonated with, with me and gave me such a good feeling about myself that it just, I just kind of made me feel like, yeah, I can do whatever I want to do. I can be in charge of my life. I can make things happen for myself. And yes, it might be difficult and yes, it might be harder but the reward is so much greater. And that's something I know I will always be grateful for is having the opportunities to reach out, to take risks, to be challenged, to, to go forward in spite of my, your fears and to do things beyond what you might be able to think that you can do. And there is such a great reward with that in our lives. And I just think, again, sometimes we're missing those things because we're afraid or again, we're, we're quick to blame others or we want to hold others responsible for the things that, that we can do in our lives. And so taking ownership, taking responsibility is the first part of building more resilience in our life. The second thing is about this notion of failure and how failure is, is essential to resilience as well. So those who are excellent at work or their work, they've learned to comfortably coexist with failure. And why is that? Because failure does not define them. It's only a part of the process. That is such a cr cr crucial thing. So many of us have such a bad relationship with the term or the sense of failure that it keeps us from doing many things. We have to redefine that relationship with failure. Failure is not who we are. Failure is just something that happens. It helps us to grow. It helps us to learn. And many adults who are fearful of failure in their own lives, how is it that, that they are going to help their children to have to become familiar with failure if they don't even handle it well in their own lives? And I think this is some another area that we're uh, being a disservice to our kids is that we're shielding them from even things that maybe we don't want to feel. We don't want them to feel failure because we don't want to feel failure, even though Failing is just, again, a part of the process. I mean, what is growing up except for failing over and over again? How many times do you have to, did you have to try to climb that tree or do that thing or build that whatever, whatever it is that you've done in, in your, your childhood, but the more that you failed, the more you tried, the more you wanted to do it, the more, you know, you, you were driven to try to excel. That is a part of life. That's something that we need. That's something that helps us to grow. So if you're growing, you're likely failing. And if you're not failing, you're likely not growing. Just as simple as that. So I think in general, when we think about the notion of resilience with kids today, it can be summed up as this. It's difficult to build resilience when we swaddle our kids in bubble wrap, when we keep red ink off their papers in school to spare their feelings, when we rush to pick them up every time they fall, when we don't let them climb trees or don't let them kind of do maybe certain risky behaviors. Um, and this one I know gets to a lot of people. It does to me. And when we give them trophies for everything that they do, everything that they do. So as a result, we've stopped letting them fail. And thus, we've stopped helping them build resilience. So let that sink in. I know the, the trophy thing is a big thing for me, like I said. But it's, it's not about the notion of 
the trophy. It's about getting something that you haven't earned, going through that process of feeling maybe the difficult feelings that comes with losing, but then wanting to fuel that into something different, wanting to grow or, or challenge yourself to be better the next time to come out and work harder. And in some situations, what's the point of that? If like, Hey, at the end of the day, I got the same trophy as the guys that won. I got the same trophy as that, that, that person, even if he was better than me, we still got the same trophy. So there's, there's just not that same sense of things with that. And, and, and it doesn't help us to fuel any kind of desire to be better. Um, so, so our teens today, I believe are struggling. And I think that's, that's a pretty obvious thing. They're struggling with their mental health. Uh, but what if the main reason that they're struggling is that they lack resilience because they haven't faced difficult things? What if what we're seeing with COVID and teens' mental health and the increase in suicide is a result of a lack of resilience from them not having had to deal with hard things? You know, the one thing with COVID is that there's no easy, there's no easy out. There's been no rescue. It's just something we, they've had to, you know, suck up and get through. Um, and especially because our parent, the parents have had to do the same thing. Uh, there's no reprieve for it and it's just something that they're in. And maybe the thing that they're needing most is something that they lack and that's resilience. So I think, you know, this can be a good wake up call for us as parents, as leaders, as teachers, uh, you know, friends, whoever it is that maybe it's time that we get back to helping our kids deal with difficult things, exposing them to challenging opportunities, exposing them to things that they may struggle with, not having to have them always feel like, you know, they're the best at something, you know, turning off some of the video games and the phones and, and some of the things that maybe are keeping them from this more meaningful work. Um, you know, I think this, this again is a need uh, a shift that we have to have as parents. It's okay for our kids to experience hard things, to fail, to not be the best, to do things that may be a little bit scary. I mean, think about your own life. Look back on some of the experiences that you had in your life. What gave you resilience? What hard things did you do? Think about it. You know, those are some, probably some pretty important moments in your life. I know I've thought a lot about this in my own and just some of the difficult things. I mean, heck, even the notion of not having navigation on your phone. I remember when I was uh, 22, me and some friends, we and my younger brother, we went down at that time. We were, I was living in Canada. We went to Vegas. We went to San Diego, California. I don't even remember how we got around because it's not we had not navigation to show us where to go. And if you've ever been to San Diego, there's so many freeways there it's crazy but we found our way around we were able to do things and and just like something simple like that it just it gives you this sense of of accomplishments like i did something i went on a road trip and i didn't get lost and i didn't die and i didn't get in an accident and didn't whatever it's like just this sense of accomplishment so uh just the different things that maybe we've done that have made us feel successful feel a sense of achievement in our lives and i'm going to talk a little bit more about that uh later uh, but I wanted to kind of just give you a, a sense of the softening that we've done in 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 uh, society with our kids, and I want to give you a contrasting uh, situation where basically it's kind of the same thing, but obviously two different areas, and just see how they played out. So uh, a couple of years ago, my boys went on a trek for the for the church that we belong to. Um, and during that trek, you dress up like pioneers and you, 
walk and you pull handcarts and, you know, you try to live like a pioneer in some sense. Um, and I'm sure it was, there were some challenges with that, but, um, my wife, uh, she did the same thing when she was a youth and went on a, a trek, but their treks were much different and the experiences were much different. Now I'm glad my boys went. I think they had a good time. They learned a lot and it was a good thing for them. But just to give you a sense of the differences in eras or eras, um, uh, I just want to sh- tell you some of those things. So my son, at, my son Max asked him, so what do you remember about that? Well, he said, well, we walked, but I didn't ever really break a, break a sweat. And sometimes I pulled the card and it wasn't really that big of a deal. But anyway, that was kind of minor. I said, okay, well, tell me some other things. Well, we ate catered food. Yeah, catered food. I don't think the pioneers had catered food. Um, They had an endless supply of smucker sandwiches, Gatorades, waters, snacks, other things, just kind of all right there for them. They didn't want them to get, you know, hungry or do anything, you know, get get feeling too bad, I guess. Um, But like I said, good experience for them, but just on a level of like difficulty, maybe on a scale of one to 10, maybe a two or three. Uh, Now, Fast forward to, or rewind to my wife's experience. Um, So on their first day of their trek, they walked 20 miles. Yes, 20 miles, six miles short of of a marathon. And that was what they did on the first day. And they kept, I guess, pushing out their base camp because they felt like they needed to do more, walk more, uh, experience more challenges. And then at the end of that, their reward was not a smucker sandwich or not catered food, but a cup of broth and a bun was what they got to eat. Um, another meal, she said that they had to actually cut the head off a chicken, pluck the chicken and then cook it. That was how they got to eat that night. So as you can see, there are some major differences in the way that those went or those experiences were. And again, I'm not knocking necessarily either experience. And obviously my wife doesn't necessarily have the fondest memories about some of that stuff. It was very challenging um, and not necessarily on the fun side. Whereas my other son or my son was, you know, more on the fun side. He has a lot of good memories about it and had a good time. I don't know that it did much for building resilience, but he enjoyed it. He didn't have any kind of negative memories about it. But I just wanted to use that as an illustration of how sometimes we've we've kind of come to this place where it's almost like we don't want to push our kids too hard because we we want them to do something, but we don't want them to make it too hard so they won't want to do it. And sometimes we just have to get them in those situations where they're going to do hard things because in the long t- long term, it's going to be better for them. Um, so again, there's so many things in our lives benefits that we've gotten from the struggle that we can't just give to our kids vicariously. They need their own struggles and challenges to have their own bottle of resilience. And without it, they may flounder in times of struggle. And again, that's what I'm I'm worried about them is kind of happening right now is that some of them are floundering because they don't have that, that reserve bottle of resilience that they've built up over their lives from doing difficult things and and challenging things over time. Uh, Being exposed to hard things also helps us to learn to develop resources, skills, fortitude, and self-respect. So let's get back to the self-respect thing. Self-respect is huge for our mental health as well. And the best way to build self-respect is through achievement. Uh, Achievement can be self-created by setting goals, 
building good habits. Uh, there's a chapter in the book I'm not going to get into, but if you do pick up the book, there's a great section in there on building good habits. That's another thing that's not only important for us as adults, but for our teens is to help them to create and build good habits. But achievement really comes from facing and working through hard things that not only build self-respect, but also resilience. So that's a key part to this as well is the sense of achievement, doing something difficult and feeling the value of, Hey, I was able to do that. I was able to get, get through that. Not that I was necessarily the best or I got first place or whatever it may be, but I took on something that was difficult and I got through it and feeling that sense of achievement, feeling that sense of self-respect for being able to do something that you set out to do. If making life easier for our kids takes away their ability to have self-respect or build resilience in their lives, then we may need to rethink our parenting style. Also for ourselves, you know, we can't forget us in this. Uh, we need to continue to build resiliency as we push through challenges in life. That's how we flourish. And as we flourish, you know, we, we, that shows to our kids as well. It gives them something to look towards as we keep pushing ourselves to do hard things, to grow, to get stronger, to get better. Um, that that's a good thing. Again, we can't, we can't vicariously give that to our kids, but we can model it for them, what that looks like, how to be that way, how beneficial that can be for your life as you do hard things. Um, so the last point that I want to make about the importance of resilience and not only for, again, ourselves, but for our, our teens and, and our kids is that resilience is tied into happiness as well. And the happiness that comes from the struggle in the book, uh, Eric Greitens gives the example of running a marathon. And this is what he says about that. He says, that's a very real pain and a very real pleasure. It's a purpose and a happiness only possible with resilience. And I don't know if anybody out there has run a marathon. I have run a marathon and I'm telling you, that's no joke. Um, no joke as far as the preparation, the pain, the struggle, the dedication it takes to prepare for that. But at the same time, the joy that comes from achieving that. Um, there's a picture I'll post on my Facebook page during the week of me when I'm at mile probably 26. It's 26.2 miles. I'm at 26 20, probably mile 26. My wife takes a picture of me and I got my arms in the air and I'm smiling. And the look on my face, I, I, you probably couldn't, you probably think it was at the start of the race rather than at mile 26, but I felt such an exhilaration of satisfaction to be able to finish and be able to finish in the time that I wanted. I wanted to finish under four hours and I was able to do that. And it just felt so good. And whatever the pain, whatever the struggle was, all that effort, getting up at three in the morning to run miles before the hot sun in Vegas came out. Um, all that, all that dedication was worth it in that moment. And all that happiness and joy came through and that sense of self-respect and achievement. It was all in that, in that place. And it, that's all a part of resilience. And when we do those things, it's just, it's so, there's so much value in that. It, like I said earlier, it's just, you, you can't, if you could bottle that up and give it to people, people would just pay so much money for that. So when we rob people of their pain, when we don't allow them the possibility of failure, we're also robbing them of their happiness. We are meant to have worthy work to do. If we aren't allowed to struggle for something, 
worthwhile in life will never grow in resilience and will never, never experience complete happiness. This is the Vegas Therapist signing off until next time. Thank you.